the first uh, time I um, practiced uh, meditation was in a retreat uh, like this one. And uh, I was there with uh, my partner at the time. Um, and uh, there was a teaching on uh, metta. We were actually in the south of uh, Thailand, and there was a, you know, the abbot and uh, revered teacher there was uh, uh, Ajahn Po. And uh, so we were doing mindfulness practice, and uh, <coughs> we were ta- taught also the metta practice. And, uh, you know, we were going through the categories uh, a little bit. And uh, there's another set, maybe, of categories where, you know, in one direction you send uh, love and respect or gratitude to parents, and in another direction to employers, students, teachers, you know. They and... Uh, and um, Then uh, my partner at the time, uh, a good friend now, uh, uh, that was, uh, you know, practice of metta to the parents was very much, uh, I think, uh, big uh, at the heart of, uh, of um, you know, uh, the, the practice for him there because what uh, uh, had happened for him was I think when he was three and he had seven, uh, six brothers and sisters his mom uh, one morning went to buy bread and uh, disappeared returned uh, only uh, like 13 years later and um, I think at that time she had a family another family and she didn't want seven kids to be part of her life or to know she didn't want her other family to know that she had the first family. And anyway, it was very, um, extremely painful for him. Uh, and a few times he had tried to be in contact with her, and uh, she had expressed no, no interest in uh, being in contact. And uh, so when Ajahn Paul suggested to, uh, you know, uh, I think in the teaching uh, there's something about uh, you could uh, that says that you could carry your parents on your back for the rest of your life. You <coughs> couldn't possibly repay them from all you know the gift of life they gave gave to you. And to him it didn't make sense, you know. It, it, you know, uh, and he uh, he had met with Ajahn Po to talk about this, saying that you know, I my mum rejected me several times actually. And uh, I don't feel gratitude, and uh, and uh, it's interesting because Ajahn Po suggested to him. He said, for the rest of the retreat, if you want to, just uh, think of all the all the different things that she did in the three and, and while she was pregnant, and in the three first years of your life, so that today you can be, uh, you are who you are. You know, she. Uh, I, I still I think it still um, apply the thing that you could carry her on your back for the rest of your life you wouldn't be able to 
repay her what she gave you, the, you know, the pre- precious human birth. And uh, and he sat with this for the rest of the retreat, and it was very beautiful how his take, uh, you know, his perception or his, his the way he was holding the relationship changed for him. And so coming out of the retreat, he said, "I'm really transformed. I really feel gratitude, you know, I, you know, all the way, you know, all the ways that she uh, took care of herself while she was pregnant, you know." And, like it's true that you know there was many things she did when I was a newborn and child that uh, made you know kept me alive and uh, and so I'm saying this just because it's really interesting how the view the view can change and uh, in that case I didn't think the view could change you know I th- I thought it was justified to uh, be uh, angry at his mom you know. And yet, uh, it was, and I'm saying this also because I could see how liberating for him it was to not hate her anymore, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, he would say things, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm saying this here now because I checked with him and he said it was uh, okay to share this story. And... Uh, yeah, and the things I've heard him say is that they've been very, very close with his um, father and brothers and sisters, siblings, and uh, and maybe this contributed to to the you know the level of care and connection that they have together. And so, kind of thinking about the you know conditions, con- what leads to what and what creates what, which is a very, very Buddhist way. Of understanding things, uh, and uh, talking about conditionality, and um, you know, uh, uh, grudge or uh, hate or resentment. Um, I remember. Uh, Sylvia Borstein, uh, Borstein again, uh, sitting on the retreat where she was uh, teaching. I think it was a month long at uh, Spirit Rock in California. And um, it was not in my mind at that time. I was just sitting there listening to the talk. Um, uh, but there was something I had done in the past, something I have done in the past that was not uh, helpful for me and created... Um, you know, uh, disturbances in relationship and uh, harm, I think you could say. Um, and I was proud of this, uh, ashamed of this, ashamed of this, and uh, guilty of it, like kind of a guilt, guilt tripping, you know, I'm a bad person. And, uh, and so anyway, I was not thinking about this at all. I was just sitting there after a number of days of uh, sitting like you, very attentive, you know, kind of a meditative posture, taking in the words, you know, seeing how they were lending. And Sylvia Borstein was talking about some something, I can't remember what, but she said, she said, it could not have been otherwise. The conditions were such 
that it could not have been otherwise. And somehow, like my story, this thing that I'm telling you, the bad thing that I had done, just came in the picture through this view. And it appeared really clearly that oh, it could not have been otherwise at that time. There was that much greed in the mind, that much confusion, the thought that if I get this, you know it's going to be really good. I need to get this at all costs. You know? So there was this confusion, greed, lack of wisdom. The wisdom factor was very, very weak. So all the conditions were there for what was done, what was said, what was done, and it had that impact. It was very liberating for me to um, to um, have that view. And so, the nuance there that I went, uh, I went from guilt, me, bad person, to this action was led by greed, lack of care, consideration. Uh, it was, uh, you know, these things were done or said, and it had a real impact. And so it was not, uh, I didn't go from guilt to not caring irresponsibility, like, oh, we don't care, things happen, it's not me, conditions were right, you know, et voila. You know? It's not that, what I'm talking about as a level of seriousness to it, without the identification, like a real understanding. And so it's still, in a way, uh, unpleasant, very much unpleasant to think about. <coughs> but there's not the making it a self, you know, uh, which would make me a bad person, and this becomes a kind of solid and uh, permanent. You know, there was at that time uh, wrongdoing, wrong thinking. It was really there. So there's a, f in a way, a full taking on of the responsibility of this, but not uh, the confusion. This is very Buddhist teaching here. Um, and so let's take another example. You're sitting here at a meta retreat, loving kindness retreat, and a cruel thought crosses your mind. You know, I hope you know this person pays for this or that. Or, you know. If there is identification, this uh, describes you. Huh? Suddenly, you're a bad. Per you're a cruel person. In the Buddhist thinking, when we go towards the <coughs> universal, maybe you'll remember this from yesterday, talking about uh, things more as phenomena. The phenomena of agitation. The phenomena of pain. The phenomena of cruelty can arise. And what we're practicing here in this practice is to actually be conscious instead of unconscious or... Um, you know, fooled by every thought. The capacity to be awake to, not make personal, but recognize what is happening. Uh, and in this way, decide to act on or not act on, to feed a certain uh, way of thinking or to abandon it. This is wisdom, discernment. Um, that's very useful uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the difficult person. The difficult person category might be uh, 
somebody else, but it also might be self. Huh? For many of us, the difficult person in our life <laughs> is perceived to be ourselves. You know, I'm the problem. I'm too like this, not enough like this. And I think in both cases, there's a problem, confusion, a problem of identification. We, I, we equate a person with actions, with certain mind states, when some mind states maybe are very uh, harmful. In the Buddhist teachings, greed, cruelty, uh, hatred are extremely uh, harmful. And uh, what we often do when we get caught in is we identify it with someone, self or another. Uh, and there's maybe some freedom to be gained by recognizing that action, that attitude is really not helpful, it's harmful, <coughs> it's uh, maybe dangerous, not uh, wished for, not uh, uh, yeah, helpful. Um, and so that might be a very subtle point, but it, I think it is a very important one. I remember hearing uh, the Dalai Lama again, and he was describing a conversation uh, he had with um, um, one of his uh, people, a, a, a person, a man, who, uh, a Tibetan man, who had been imprisoned uh, uh, by the Chinese government and was uh, tortured for a number of years before he was able to escape uh, the prison and escape China, Tibet, and, and then uh, was meeting with the Dalai Lama, telling about the story. And the Dalai Lama was saying, I was really deeply impressed by the practice of this man, because when I asked him what was the most dangerous thing he faced while he was in prison, the answer blew me away. I'm putting it in my words maybe here, but... Uh, that's the gist of it. He said, so I was thinking he was going to tell me about, you know, some, uh, you know, bad thing that the person did to him, or a disease, that he, a situation, something. And to the question, what was the most difficult, the most difficult thing you faced, or the, the, the biggest danger you faced? His answer was, I almost... Uh, gave in the and started hate, hating my torsionaire, uh, uh, you know, my uh, torturer. And so the Dalai Lama says, when he answered this, you know, like I understood the depth of his practice, the capacity to not equate the person with the actions. Anyway, just food for thought, you know, how um, and s uh, maybe stories, uh, the exam uh, images uh, to help us understand this. Um, 
I've heard this, I can't remember from who, and it might have came from somebody who heard it from somebody else, but um, it's a retreat I heard on, uh, a story I heard on retreat one time. So imagine, um, imagine you're coming out of the grocery store, so you have a couple of bags in your hands, you know, and you have a you know, eggs, and, uh, you know, all kinds of things there, liquids, and yogurt, maybe soy yogurt, or yogurt. Uh, and uh, so, you, you know, it's full of bags, and, um, and uh, as you walk, somebody knocks you from the side, and you drop everything, and everything, you know, falls on the ground and breaks. You know, and the juice starts flowing, and the, you know, all and the eggs break, and and your spontaneous reaction is like, asshole, maybe, <laughs> if you speak English. And then you turn, and you see that actually, it's it's somebody who was tripping, or or, or, or I, I think in the example I heard, the person was blind. And say, suddenly what happens in the mind? What state, uh, what's, you know, it goes from, uh, you know, reactivity, anger, hatred, to care, compassion, are you okay? You know, what happened, uh, etc. And so this person couldn't see that you were there. You know? Um... So that's one way to understand when there's confusion, when there's not clear seeing. You know, in the example I gave earlier, I, I couldn't see that my actions were, you know, I had the wrong understanding. I thought getting something would give me happiness. It's a mistaken view. Uh, and so there was not clear seeing, like vipassana, clear seeing, right, wise understanding. Another uh, example is, uh, imagine you're, uh, it's summer, it's not winter, it's summer, nice uh, sunny summer afternoon, <coughs> you're um, on a little lake, you know, as, as, they, as they have sometimes in the cities and parks, you know, the, kind of the little lake where you can r rent a little uh, rowboat, you know? so you rented a little rowboat you're in the middle of the lake, it's so beautiful, it's sunny. And you decide to just lay down on the bench of the rowboat to get some sun. And you're quiet there, and you just hear the breeze of the insects and birds. It's very quiet and lovely. And then, bang! Another boat knocks into you. And again, like the week before with the grocery. <laughs> you're like, come on! You know, like, and you look, and there's nobody in the boat. <laughs> it just is causes and conditions came together for the knock to happen. You know? This is kind of a deep Buddhist understanding of what uh, happen, happens. A way to understand our harm is caused. Harm is not caused by people. 
It's caused by delusion. It's caused by uh, states of mind. Our actions and and the actions of others also. Anyway, maybe a view to play with. Why we talk about this? Because it's actually liberating. Uh, It's liberating our own confusion that we identify, (coughs) fix, make permanent and solid uh, a cause when, you know, for anything to happen, it needs, needed the Big Bang and several other things, you know. So that's what we call also the middle path. We could call this the middle path. It's uh, for self, for example, the, the middle path between guilt, so making a self and actively hating the self. It's a kind of an ego trip. Uh, and we often fall into this. It's important to, to talk about this. And another extreme, irresponsibility. And here we're walking the middle path. We're trying to be aware of what we are moved by, what is uh, what states are in this, these hearts and minds, so that we can nurture, nourish some of the states and abandon others. So some ways that it's been helpful for me that I've seen in action that's been helpful is, um, you know, before somebody would say to me, Pascal, you did this and that and that, that and, and what you did or didn't do or said or didn't say, there was a lack of consideration and it was uh, harmful, it was not really nice or it was cheap to say that or whatever, whatever, you know. Uh, <coughs> before I would understand that this meant something about me. And so right away I would get defensive. No, it's, I'm a good person. Why do you say that? Is it, you know, and, and it was really... Or I would uh, understand that it did really happen and I would start hating myself. I'm bad, I'm so bad, I can't believe I did this. And often the person who was harmed suddenly had to take care of me. Huh? Because I was so, you know, broken by my own badness and... Uh, you know, I can't believe that I did this, and I go, it's okay, it's okay, <laughs> you know. And now what I see is uh, somebody comes and said, Pascal, you, uh, you said, when you said that, it didn't go really well, you know. Uh, most of the time, or a lot more of the time, I'm able to become interested. Hey, hold on, what was done? What was said? And then if I'm able to track back and look, sometimes I can say, you're right. There was a real lack of consideration there. I'm so sorry about this. And what I feel is not agreeable. It's disagreeable. It's a, it's a, it's a feeling of the impact of words or action. 
but without the extra layer of guilt tripping, of making a self out of it. So this part is not useful, it can be let go of, but um, uh, we call this maybe spiritual remorse. When the actions that we have done or not done and have caused harm, we can feel the impact. It's, it's not fun in the body, it, it feels, uh, you know, there's uh, either acidity or contraction, and we can recognize this, the, the harm done, and set a new intention or recognize, take responsibility without losing a lot of time guilt-tripping around this, or maybe blaming, you know. And I remember one time I was with my teacher and he had done something that lacked consideration, at least from my point of view. I think it was factual. And um, so I remember I came to him, and I was really charged, and I said, we need to talk. And, uh, and he said, yes, for sure, let's find a place, let's sit down. What's going on, Pascal? You did this, and you did that, and this was so not considerate, and uh, disrespectful, and uh, And uh, I remember he was listening to me, and he went like, oh, you're absolutely right. I've, you know, I didn't think about this, I didn't think about that. How could we make, you know, make the wrong... There's an expression for it, and like make it right, you know. Should I call this person and tell them this and and do this and that? And he was, in you know, kind of solution, bringing solutions to. It. And I remember I was sitting there like, it's supposed to feel guilty, you know, like that is supposed to feel really bad right now, you know. And he was just acknowledging, you know. And anyway, I had to think about this for a while, and, and it was really interesting that I kind of was demanding for him to suffer, <laughs> you know, when he was able to actually look really calmly at the situation and say, you're actually right, I'm, I missed this, you know, that was important, we didn't take care of this, Let, let's correct this now. And, um, and, you know, and there was like, I'm sorry about it and stuff, but there was no, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, that kind of guilt and... You know, I'm like, he's supposed to suffer now. You know, but he was not. And I was actually okay. We could fix the thing pretty quickly. And, uh... <coughs> so now I try to bring this to my relationship, you know. To say, uh, not, you're like this, and you're always like this, you know, making, like, solid, and, you know... Uh, no nuances, try to say like, hey, you know, this action, what happened there, this didn't sit well with me, you know, can we talk about it, you know, and it's interesting, sometimes it, it's easier to work things out, sometimes <coughs> not, it doesn't help <laughs> a lot, but, uh, but this distinction is important for me uh, now, and actually it applies even for beautiful things, I think. Uh, when there's an identification, uh, it might make things a little bit more complex. You know, let's say generosity arises. Generosity is a very beautiful uh, mind state, quality. It, uh, it exists in the universe, generosity. Right? Sometimes you feel it, sometimes you feel it. It moves, you know. And some of us, maybe it happens more often. Uh, that it's alive in us. But if we make it personal, there's a 
might be a little bit of a danger. See for yourself if you agree with this, but you know, the kind of taking honor. I'm, I'm a generous person. Pascal, what you just did was not that generous. No, I'm generous. I'm a generous person. It's solid, it's permanent, <laughs> non-fluctuating, and it's me, you know? Or, I'm generous. Have you seen how generous I've been here this week? <laughs> Do you see the twist in this? The, the, you know? Generosity is beautiful. It is to be celebrated and nourished wherever it arises. It, with this psychology, it says it's always helpful. It always will help the mind and the social environment will benefit from generosity. And so in this practice, again, this moving from the personal to more of the phenomenological, maybe, or the universal, and recognizing, ah, there's generosity here. Let's act on this. It's helpful. It's good. It's going to be for my benefit, for the benefit of others. I like the teachings a lot around this, you know. Uh, it seems easier to take responsibility for me now that I know or understand things in this way better. And so uh, it's easier to um, allow for the imperfection in humanity, you know, because oh, this is a human being, you know. It's not so much about me, it's human beings. Sometimes I get tired, sometimes I get... Uh, exasperated, sometimes I get confused, it does happen, you know. Um, not that there's no impact, I'm not saying there's no impact, there is, but um, not making a kind of an ego trip, or a self at the others. There's beautiful um, um, forgiveness practice in this uh, tradition. Maybe you uh, are aware of it. And uh, and it can be a yeah, can be a good practice to engage in uh, if we feel like it. in forgiveness, we could spend a whole year studying it. There's so many nuances in it. It's very delicate when we enter the realm of, uh, or just talking about forgiveness, because, you know, um, uh, yeah, many subtleties. Um, but basically, I would say that um, forgiveness is not um, to forget about what happened, you know, or that it doesn't count, or. Uh, uh, I think uh, the way I, I see it, anyway, is, um, is a kind of an intention or a, a kind of letting go of the idea of uh, keeping the hate uh, active in oneself. To me, I, I think of it as, uh, you know, I forgive you is meaning I'm actually going to st- stop hating actively uh, you for this or myself for that. And it's putting down the hatred, not the discernment. There might be a nuance here between uh, judgment and discernment. So 
here in this practice we want to, to um, develop a lot of uh, discernment so intelligence that can see between this and that that can make the difference and so um, in discernment I can recognize maybe that somebody is uh, is being harmful <coughs> and I can maybe discern this discern that somebody is being um, you know greedy Maybe I can recognize this myself or somebody else. Oh, there's, there's a greed here, you know, in action or confusion or, or uh, you know, uh, you know, cruelty or abuse is in action. When there is judgment, is we add ourselves a layer of hatred on top of it, you know. So it means. Uh, not only can we recognize that this person is doing something that is harmful, but we hate them for it. And what we in this practice try to do for our own benefit, because it really is costly to hate, uh, we try to let go of the hatred and be able to discern. So, um, you know, we can recognize uh, regularly here and there that there is a uh, you know, uh, sexism, racism, um, all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, homophobia, transphobia, uh, body shaming in society. And we could easily start hating. And one of the practices maybe that could be helpful is to actually recognize what's happening and uh, have the capacity to name it and maybe put boundaries, say, no, this doesn't work, without with um, allowing ourselves not to fall in hatred, because so costly for us and not helpful. That's very subtle work, but to me, very interesting work. Um, Cultivating, fostering intelligence, capacity to recognize, to name, to take action. Because huh? we could think being a good uh, Buddhist, if you think of it like this, would be to just uh, accept everything. But actually it's not. What we're doing uh, here is, uh, is a work of honesty, of recognizing what's happening in order to respond appropriately, which is sometimes to stand sometimes to sit, sometimes to, you know, lay down, to uh, stop something from happening, you know, or walk for something. Uh, but without the hatred, that's the kindness we're developing. We're going the opposite direction to hatred. But we don't want in the process, it wouldn't be wise in the process to lose clarity, intelligence, capacity for uh, speaking, for action, uh, setting boundary, uh, refusing. Often in this practice, we might uh, mistakenly think that it's kind of a big learning how to say yes to everything. You know? And actually, no. 
this practice is also learning to say no. No. That doesn't work. This is actually a beautiful um, uh, Buddhist uh, mudra. The fearless hand that says no. It doesn't have a weapon in it. Huh? It just says no. This doesn't work. You know? With clarity. And sometimes we see... Um, I was just having an exchange with somebody about this. Uh, we see... Um, you know, activists and uh, uh, people who are fighting for either social justice or the environment, and uh, they have such clarity, huh? amazing clarity, but no hatred, and they're so incredibly powerful. I'm thinking of maybe Dr. King, you know. Um, who comes to mind now is uh, Fanny Lou Hamer and uh, she probably is not very known here in uh, Canada but somehow I ran into her in a documentary and was very really impressed by this uh, woman uh, African American in the 60s she was from one of the kind of deep south states I think maybe 19th of a family of 19 and um And she, uh, with, without education, uh, you know, just uh, clarity of mind, she fought for, uh, you know, the civil rights uh, movement, and uh, particularly, um, I think, for the right, uh, for, for the, uh, she wanted the Democratic Party to allow um, uh, black folks to uh, be able to, uh, to be representatives. And she uh, went to a, a democratic convention, in, I think in '64, in a, a, a Atlantic City, and she gave a discourse. And it's mind-blowing how she has clarity and ground. You know, she she has the truth and justice on her side and clarity, and there is no hatred. And uh, she was so powerful that when she gave her speech. Uh, the, uh, at that time, I can't even remember who was the American president at the time, but they got s around him, they got so scared of her speech being on the, on the radio that he improvised a speech that was, uh, you know, uh, put on the radio everywhere to use the waves. So the president is giving a speech only to try to cover her because her voice was so strong. Uh, Fanny Lou Hamer. And, uh, and she spoke she speaks like there's no you're not going to bullshit me here I know what is right you know and no hatred just clarity and so I think that's you know something for us to look to she's not just like accepting things as they are you know she's she's recognizing that's often what we mean in Buddhist terms by acceptance acceptance means recognizing naming what's happening it doesn't mean saying yes to everything it means recognizing this is happening right now what do I do with this in my society in my relationships in my mind you know being able to re recognize oh that's what's happening in this mind here you know it's spinning in circle of uh, resentment pointless 
not hating oneself for it, but recognizing, not useful. What can we do? In one uh, uh, sutra here, the Buddha is uh, giving advice on how to be uh, with... Um, so let me read it. it be easier. Practitioners, there are five ways of getting rid of a grudge. So it's the getting rid of a grudge sutra. <laughs> there are five ways of getting rid of a grudge. by means of which a practitioner can remove all grudges that have arisen within them, within them, them. What five? So if a grudge arises towards any person, one should cultivate loving kindness towards this person. So that's, I think that's in the category of small grudge. <laughs> Do you recognize the possibility in a small grudge to wish well for the person? So that's the first. The second one is one should cultivate compassion towards uh, that person. So that's the next step. You know, if uh, loving kindness doesn't work, I wish you well. Compassion. Oh, you're mistaken. You're creating harm, harm around you and for yourself. Yeah? The third uh, suggestion here is one should cultivate equanimity towards this person. <coughs> this is how it is right now. This is what's happening. So a clear recognition, a capacity to name and uh, uh, remain, maybe uh, keep some composure. So that's a practice here. Um, And the fourth uh, suggestion is one should pay no attention to them and give no thought to them. So forget about them. And the fifth one uh, is one may apply to that person the fact of ownership of uh, karma or ownership of action, thinking. This person is owner of their action, the heir of their action. Their action are their womb, from which the womb from which they'll be born. Um, whatever they do, good or bad, they will be the heir of that. And so for me, the way it showed up, this last part here, is, uh, is by uh, giving back what belongs to people. So these are your words. I mistakenly carried them with me for a few months. It was my mistake. I was not aware, I was confused. But now I'm remembering, you know, that actually these were your words. I give them back to you. They're your words. You take care of them. I hope you take good care of them. They are yours. I didn't say these words. You, know, you did. 
or this is the actions you performed, they're yours. I keep carrying them, thinking about them, holding them for you. It's not my job. These are your actions. They're yours. And in another sutra, the Buddha describes something like this, and that's where I took this practice from that is really helpful for me. And so at some point, somebody comes to the Buddha. This happened for real. So the, somebody came to the Buddha and started abusing the Buddha verbally. You, ra 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 And the Buddha just stayed there, allowed the person to, uh, to abuse them verbally. And uh, then this person stopped and turned around and left. And somebody who was witnessing all this said, you didn't do anything, you didn't say anything, you didn't... What, what are your thoughts around what just happened? And the Buddha said, imagine somebody comes and they want to offer you a gift. They have a gift in their hand. They want to offer it to you. If you don't take the gift, who has the gift? That person. So this person came and abused me verbally. I didn't take it on. It was their words. You know, I didn't take the words. So now they left with the words. It's theirs. I think there's a, a lot of wisdom in there and a lot of freedom possible. And I've seen in my life so many times that I've taken on, I've clung to, you know, I really seized something that happened and I carried it with a grudge, you know, and I was mistaken. It was not mine. It was not mine. I didn't have to carry it. So symbolically, giving it back to the person, these are your actions. Your actions. You have to live with them. You know? And in the teaching here on karma, on the, it's, it's very, it says, you know, a, per, a person is born of their actions. Who they will be, will be the result of their action. That applies to us also. We are the heir that we are the recipient of our own actions and words. What we will become will be born, will be born out of our actions. So it does bring some, uh, I don't know if that's the right word in English, gravitas, no? to our words and actions. It says, you know, so the way that I'm using, and actions in Buddhist terms means, uh, can mean uh, actions of body, it can mean uh, actions of, uh, of the mouth, speech, and it even means actions of the mind. The way we use our mind, the Buddha you know, would say in the Dhammapada we read, what we often reflect on becomes uh, who we are, you know? becomes the content of our mind. And so here we come on a retreat and we actually give airtime, we reflect on uh, kindness, the advantages of uh, non-hatred, huh? and so that will definitely have an impact, in, uh, you know, in the, with the law of causality of karma. Means doing what we do here, we're going to become what we've been doing here somehow. We're going to be born out of what we've been doing here, later. But also we're going to be born of what we've done before we came to the retreat. <laughs> That's what we call neuroplasticity. No? It's like what we've trained became our mind. Our mind took the form of what 
uh, we trained it with, you know. And so here we want to be really careful with how we use our mind, because any time we use our mind, it's a training of the mind. Yeah. Is there something you want to? Okay. I was trying to find uh, the words uh, maybe coming from Jack Cornfield has a book on uh, I think on forgiveness, but also it's uh, the teachings that he give, uh, gives uh, live often, and I've heard him uh, many times tell stories around. Uh, you know how he's a, maybe, I don't know if you know Jack Cornfield, I've heard him, he's a storyteller, he's many things, shaman, storyteller, and, but uh, there's a beautiful story that he tells of, um, of an African tribe that the, is called the Babem, I think I wrote this the thing with Jack he's a storyteller so you never know <laughs> so, if it actually happened <laughs> 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 anyway let's just say I, I, it's a beautiful story I don't know I haven't found the the actual uh, <laughs> facts around it, but uh, you know, if it's true or if it was true, it would be beautiful. And so the, he says that in one, uh, you know, culture, in the, on another continent, when uh, somebody has harmed uh, someone or the, the tribe, or that uh, one of the ritual that they do is that they, the whole uh, village maybe will sit in a circle. And they will bring in the middle of the circle the person who has committed uh, some harm. And uh, they will tell this person what they appreciated, what they appreciate about this person, and all the good things that they have done. And sometimes, uh, depending on the size of the harm done, this ritual could last for days, a few days. And it's a healing ritual where we want to remind the person of their beauty, their goodness, that it's alive in them. Uh, and so it's interesting if you compare to the systems that we have in place uh, here, either institutionally or even relationally. You know, uh, you know you've done harm, I'm going to remind you for the rest of your life <laughs> that one time you did that, you know. So it's uh, it's interesting for us to consider, you know. And so maybe we could finish, just if you want, you could, uh, you know, s uh, see it as a guided meditation or a reflection or just some information you want to consider. But um, I wanted to say a few words on how, you know, a few words of the forgiveness practice. 
So the classic uh, traditional forgiveness practice uh, goes in three ways. It goes as uh, asking for forgiveness, saying, you know, if I have harmed you or when I have harmed you or for having harmed you, I want to ask for your forgiveness. So there's an asking for forgiveness. There's an offering forgiveness for the ways that you have harmed me. I want to offer forgiveness to you. That's the second way. So asking for forgiveness, offering forgiveness. And then the last one is uh, forgiving oneself. Um, and it's uh, traditional to do it. Uh, now we're exploring it now, but uh, I've often seen it at the end of retreats, maybe long, long retreats especially, where you know the teachers have been offering a lot of teachings, so exposing their humanity a lot, and the practitioners... Uh, all of us have practiced together, and it's not easy to be in the silence and space together. You know, there's things happening in the courtroom and the, you know, the you know, dining hall and in the bedrooms. And, you know, there's all kinds of ways that we might hurt each other, even in silence. Huh? It's, a, it's a microcosm of a society. And, and so it's a, it's a traditional thing at the end of the retreat, and sometimes it's extremely touching because you'll see the teachers, not in this case, but often the teachers are a little bit on the stage in the bigger retreats you know, to be seen. So they've been above the whole time, uh, sitting on cushions or chair, and they, they come down you know, from the... Maybe I can do it. That, that might be good for me. Mm-hmm. Even there's no change. No, there's no ch- stage, but there's still there's a... A setup huh, where thirty-some people are looking at one that gives a lot of power to that person. So for that person to come out of their seat, you know, is, uh, can be a good thing. because there's a way that it's expressed that uh, I think is very beautiful that's from Jack Conte um, <coughs> and I'll do it like I'll do it kind of personally but you can uh, you can uh, you know, think of it and maybe we'll go in silence for a few minutes and you'll see how you love it or but um, here, uh, for the ways that uh, maybe I, I might have harmed you and the things that I have said or not said or the, uh, my actions um, in this role as a teacher for the ways that I maybe have uh, harmed you through my speech or my uh, actions or my thoughts um, the ways that I might have not uh, included your experience, um, uh, or that you might have felt betrayed or abandoned, not seen. Uh, I'd like to ask for your forgiveness. <coughs> and if um, if any of you has uh, harmed me, uh, or any of us, maybe they would say me. Maybe more for me. So if any of you have harmed me in some ways, through your thoughts or deeds, 
And let's extend forgiveness. Recognizing our humanity. Recognizing that we are visited by confusion and fear and reactivity and greed and all kinds of um, you know, states of mind that afflicts the mind, confuses the mind. So I'd love to offer forgiveness. And you can do this for yourself. And that's why I want to do this way and this way. In many ways, I have hurt others, I have betrayed and abandoned them, I have made them suffer, consciously or not, because I was suffering too out of fear, anger and confusion. And for this, I'd like to offer forgiveness to myself. So, say it again. In many ways, I have hurt others and myself. Now that abandoned or betrayed others or myself, it's not possible not to do so. Out of fear, anger and confusion, consciously and unconsciously, I've created harm. And I'd like not to offer forgiveness to myself. somebody specific that comes to your mind that you'd like to do this with somebody that is here in the room or somewhere else um, that you'd like to forgive maybe or ask forgiveness or forgive yourself for having harm and they might not be going to stop the hate. Stop, I'm going to stop the actively hating and resenting this. When we come on retreat, I'll finish with this. When we come on retreat, often uh, because the silence, because of the slowing down, we get more and more sensitive, sensitive to taste, to sight, all the senses. And also we develop some qualities over the days here of uh, more calming. The mind is, might be a little bit more peaceful or, or uh, steady or maybe courageous or a little bit more honest 
Uh, and when this happens, that there is a, a higher sensitivity and better inner conditions, often we will review some of our actions, some of the actions done to us. So we'll be sitting on the cushion and suddenly, you know, we'll review, view again something that happened in the past. It's part of the process. It doesn't happen all the time, but it might very well. Sometimes there's even a whole life review. Maybe on a longer retreat, you know, after a few weeks, suddenly you review a lot of things said. <laughs> they come. But now there's a difference. The mind is in a different state. It's able to hold. It's able to take responsibility. It's able to maybe understand or guess that something was happening for the other, for them to have done what they've done. It's very, very liberating. It can be. So we'll be sitting here and, you know, seemingly out of nowhere, but it's probably just because the conditions, the inner conditions are right. I can review something. Oh, Pascal, ah, it's not just the other one that hurt you in that relationship. Ah, you were not that helpful when you were doing this and that, you know, or I was not. And able to take responsibility without falling into hatred and... But there's a sense of, oh, yeah, this was not a good choice. Or, oh, I didn't help myself when I did that, but I didn't know otherwise. Or, oh, the other one was suffering. <coughs> it was hard for them. I never actually recognized this. You know, I just blamed. But actually, the other, it was hard for the other one at that time. You know? And so this uh, practice of uh, kind of forgiveness or bringing understanding or stopping the hate uh, might happen very naturally, not through a ritual like we just did, but uh, more, I want to say spontaneously, but it's not spontaneous, it's caused by the inner, you know, the work that we're doing of creating the right environment for, you know, to see things a little differently, you know. So you might uh, notice this, you know, in the break time after a meal at some point, well, there's just enough calm to view the story a little differently, you know, in a way that is liberating for the heart. Okay, so some, these were some consideration around very delicate things, you know. Um, again, forgive me if, uh, for all the things that are missing in there. You know, all the, the subtlety, nuances, and important things that were not named or even are not understood at this point here. Okay. Let's take just a moment to let the words uh, dissolve. May all beings be able to take responsibility for their actions, be conscious of their actions, choose their actions of uh, mind, and body, and speech. 
may all beings be protected by their actions. Thank you for your consideration. Bon appétit. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.